0: Welcome to the Church 214 Podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Man, I I feel so privileged to be a part of this church. Just saying. It's truly a gift. by a show of hands who in here has ever regretted anything that they've said <laughs> yeah right in the last 5 minutes all of our hands should be up but there're certain times where like stuff just starts flying out those times where like as soon as it leaves your lips you're like oh man I wish I could stuff that back in And that's what we're going to be talking about today, is the words that come out of our mouth. Because we're still in our James series, James chapter 3. And he talks about the power of our tongues. So I actually wanted to start tonight off by telling you a story about myself that I think you'll enjoy. (laughs) When I was 23 years old, I was kidnapped by my grandma. And you can laugh because you're probably thinking, how does that even happen? How does a 23-year-old woman get kidnapped by her grandma? So I'll tell you. So it was on a day that my grandma and my aunt, myself, and my cousin decided to go shopping. And I lived in Jacksonville, Illinois at the time, just a small town. And we were going to drive over to Springfield, about 30 minutes away, because Springfield had the mall and the shops and all the good stuff. So my grandma came around and picked us all up. And she drove this. Two-door car. And so my cousin and I are in the back seat. My grandma and my aunt are in the front seat. And we didn't even get out of Jacksonville before my aunt and my grandma just started bickering back and forth, getting nasty with each other, which wasn't uncommon for them. But I decided, you know, I don't these aren't the people I want to spend my day with. So I told my grandma, I said, Hey, can you just drop me off at my apartment? I don't want to go today. And my apartment was literally two blocks from where we were at when I asked her that. And she ignored me and just kept on driving. And I thought, okay, she's older. Maybe she didn't hear me. So I said it louder. I said, hey, Grandma, I do not want to go today. It doesn't look like it's going to be a good day for this. Can you please take me home? Still nothing. She kept on driving. So then I got mad, said some stuff you shouldn't say to your grandma. And I said, just stop the car and let me out and I'll walk home. Mm -mm, Not a word. She just kept on driving. And I didn't have a door. I couldn't get out. I couldn't jump out. I would have if I would have had a door. So she just keeps driving 30 minutes away to another town against my will. Guys, that's kidnapping. (laughs) And you better believe when we got there and she parked the car, I didn't stay with them. I was like, I'm not staying with this psycho. So I went and I found a payphone. <laughs> Didn't have a cell phone back then. Went and found a payphone. Called a friend. And they came and picked me up. But you know, over the years, that's a story that my family has told. We laugh and we think it's funny now. But the sad thing is, is that my grandma, she tended to lean on the controlling side, um, the negative side, honestly. And she actually passed away this past fall. And it's funny because I was sad. I, I remember good times with her, too. And I was sad for my mom, but I found that I wasn't feeling all that emotional about it. And with a couple of my friends, I had these conversations where I was like, OK, you know, my grandma passed away. And they were like, I'm so sorry. That's so hard. And these were the words that came out of my mouth. And you might remember this conversation if you were one of my friends that heard this. I said, yeah, it's all right, honestly, she was awful. I may as well have just said, I'm glad she's gone. (laughs) I mean, those were the words that were coming out of my mouth. And you better believe that the Lord did not let that slide. Over the next weeks, over the next months, he just kept poking and prodding at me. And literally those words just kept going over and over in my mind. And then verses started coming to my mind. And one in particular is Luke chapter 6, where it says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Whew. Man, that convicted me because I thought, What on earth is my heart full of that I'm speaking about my dead grandma this way? Bitterness is what that is unforgiveness, maybe some resentment. And then God is so good, he also gave me a revelation. And he showed me that my grandma wasn't awful. She was just broken. And I don't have time to tell you her story, but she had a story. And she was broken. And out of her brokenness, she did things that were hurtful. She did things that were wrong. And broken people break people. Hurt people hurt people. And listen, that's not necessarily an excuse for people who are hurtful, right? There's times in our lives we might need to actually distance ourselves from someone who's toxic or negative and always bringing us down. That's okay. We can do that. But what happened for me is I actually ended up falling to the same thing I didn't like about her, being negative. And as Christians, there comes a time that we have to take responsibility for our own selves for our own brokenness, for the stuff coming out of our own mouths. And we got to start seeking God and his word. What do you say, Lord? What are you saying about this? Something's not right. Or we're going to end up being the broken people that break people. And many, many times, the breaking of ourselves, the breaking of others, happen because of our words and for many many years my words were so negative and honestly dishonoring towards my grandma and our words hold the power of life and death psalm i'm sorry proverbs 18:21 death and life are in the power of the tongue death and life are in the power of our tongues but here's what happens, I think, for a lot of us. We, end up, we, we try to justify why we say the things that we say, why we feel the way that we do about certain people. I mean, I could easily justify to you why I felt that way about my grandma, but the problem is once you become aware of the truth, and the truth is that my words have power, your words have power, the power of life and death, that should actually change things. That should change everything. But see, we become so complacent, we don't apply God's word to our lives. And James, the brother of Jesus, he knew the power that our tongues can wield. So we're gonna dive in here. Turn to James chapter 3. And we're gonna start in verse 3 and read through 12. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. And so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. Just think of how a small flame can set a huge forest ablaze. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. For every wild animal on earth, including birds, creeping reptiles, and creatures of the sea and land have all been overpowered and tamed by humans, but the tongue is not able to be tamed. It's a fickle, unrestrained evil that spews out words full of toxic poison. We use our tongue to praise God, our Father, and then turn around and curse a person who was made in his very image. Out of the same mouth, we pour out words of praise one minute and curses the next. My brothers and sisters, this should never be. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. And I thought, man, my words were pretty salty about my grandma for lots of years. And honestly, if I were to examine my heart, pretty salty about other people. And my words, actually, should be like a fresh drink of water to people, to myself, but see, My tongue can be set on fire by hell itself. When I read that verse, I was like, whew, seems a little strong. So I looked into it, and it actually was meant to be strong because the Greek translation for the word hell here is the word Gehenna, which is a combination of two Hebrew words that mean Valley of Hinnon. And the Valley of Hinnon was a place that was just outside of Jerusalem where in the Old Testament, they did child sacrifices to Molech. To, to their false gods, to Satan. So what a strong statement, this vivid picture that James is painting here of what kind of evil that our tongues can unleash. Death and life are in the power of our tongues. Our, think about that. Your words have power. But you're either going to give power to the enemy, or you're going to release the power of God with those words. And then, you know, James is gracious. He makes it clear that this is an area that we're going to fail. Look at verse 2. He says, Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other area, every other way. Now, what I noticed about this verse is that the word control is used twice here and the word perfect is also used, which for me, honestly, I'm like, oh, I'm going to give up, because <laughs> there's just no way that's going to happen. For me, I, when I try to control anything in my life, it actually gets worse. It doesn't work. And yes, I know that the Holy Spirit gives us self-control, actually self-discipline is what he gives us, but sometimes certain words in a translation don't actually fully express what the author is trying to say. So I looked into this too. And I was really relieved when I discovered that it wasn't actually control that James is trying to get across here. He's actually trying to illustrate direction, direction. So your tongue has the power to direct you towards hell or direct you towards heaven. Your words have the power to move the atmosphere around you towards hell or towards heaven. It's about direction. That changed the way that I saw this passage. But that's why James uses the example of a bit in a horse's mouth, right? It's really not just about taming the horse or controlling the horse. The goal is to move the horse in the direction you want it to go. And then he uses the example of the ship with the small rudder, right? You're the pilot of the ship. You might be trying to steer your ship, steer your life in this direction, but if your rudder hasn't shifted, if your rudder is stuck in the same spot, you're going to find that it's real difficult to move where you want to go because your tongue, your speech, your words direct your life, and your direction determines your destination. Your direction determines your destination. So what does that look like in our lives? So let's talk about some examples. For instance, say you hate your job, and you've hated it for a while. And for so long, you have complained, and you've whined, and you've spoken negatively about it. And that's all you've done. And you could justify why you're doing that. But if that's all you've done, that's probably taken you in the opposite direction of where God wants to take you. Another example is marriages. Let's set aside for this time being marriages that have abuse or unfaithfulness. But say you're just in a hard marriage, a difficult marriage. It feels dead. You're unhappy. And you want it to get better. You want to see things change. But every single week, week, you're saying, I want a divorce. Or I should have never married this person. My life is too hard. Nothing's ever going to change. That's probably the direction it's going to go in at least in your own heart. And your direction determines your destination. And then what about, what about really, really hard situations? What if you're dealing with um, a marriage that is ending or has ended? What if you're dealing with really, really difficult things at home with your kids? What if you're dealing with addictions, disease, sickness? Whatever it is, insert whatever impossible thing in here. And know this, your words still matter. The words you're speaking over the people, the situation, yourself, still matter. Because God wants to move in it. God actually wants to move it. See, God's in the business of bringing the dead things in our lives back to life. He's in the business of redemption, and he's in the business of restoring what the devil has stolen from you. But, Do your words match up with that idea? Let's look at Joel chapter 2, 23 through 25. This is who our God is in this passage. Rejoice, you people of Jerusalem. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for the rain he sends demonstrates his faithfulness. Once more, the autumn rains will come, as well as the rains of spring. The threshing floors will again be piled high with grain and the presses will overflow with new wine and olive oil. The Lord says, I will give you back what you lost to the swarming locusts, the hopping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the cutting locusts. Now, I know what happens with things like this is there are people that'll say, well, you're taking that verse out of context. You know, that was for that time, that was for Israel. I know, I know exactly who that was for but god is the same yesterday today and tomorrow he never changes and the truth is that he didn't want to just restore israel he wants to restore you and i we're we're a picture of israel he's still doing the same things today wants to at least that he did back then the things that the enemy meant for harm in your life god wants to turn them for good he wants to turn them to glorify himself And the words you speak are either going to direct you in the direction of his promises and his goodness, or they're going to direct you to hell itself. And your direction determines your destination. Listen, sometimes we're prophesying, and we're declaring, and we're proclaiming, and speaking things that are actually taking us in the opposite direction of where we want to go. And I know that there's some of you here tonight that you get a little nervous with that prophesy word. But listen to this, prophesy means to make inspired declarations of what is to come. Inspired declarations of what is to come. So who or what is inspiring your words? Is it God's word? Is it his truth, his promises? Or are you being inspired by something else or someone else? Because your words are setting you on a course. Your words are directing you and your direction determines your destination. Okay, turn to Ezekiel 37. We're going to read the story of the Valley of Dry Bones, which probably most of us have read it several times in our lives, or we've heard messages preached on it a lot, but sometimes things are worth repeating, so we're going to read it. So Ezekiel is a prophet to Israel. And at this time, Israel is just in shambles. It's not looking good for them. It doesn't look like they have much hope of ever being restored. So let's read this. Gotta put my glasses on. <clears throat> okay. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded. Verse 4. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say. Verse 7. So I spoke this message. Just as he told me, suddenly as I spoke. Verse 9, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say. Verse 10, so I spoke the message he commanded. God didn't say, look at these bones and complain about it. He didn't say, you know, look at these bones and give them a piece of your mind. He didn't say, look at these bones and tell me how hopeless it looks. No, God said, speak and prophesy life. Speak and prophesy breath into these dead things, into these lifeless things. But what we do is we tend to look at the dry bones in our lives, and we allow our tongues only to speak what we can see in the natural. Amen? That's a good word. And what we do is we end up doing what James says in verse 10. So blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. See, that's why we can come here on a Sunday, and we can shout, and we can pray, and we can sing, He is a God of miracles, and we're coming out of the grave, and we get excited, might even get on our knees, and then we go home, and we end up speaking and prophesying the exact opposite over situations in our lives when we should be prophesying and speaking life over every impossible thing we are facing. So do you have an impossible situation in your life? What are the dry bones in your life? What are the hopeless things in your life? Because I believe that the things you feel most hopeless about are actually the things God wants to breathe life into. But you will have to speak to it. You will have to prophesy to it again and again and again. Because look, when you read Ezekiel 37, those bones didn't just pop up, restored all at once. There was a process. First, there was a rattling noise. So as you start to prophesy and you start to speak over and breathe life into these dead things in your life, you're going to start to wake some stuff up. Then all the parts that were separated came together. So as you continue to speak and you prophesy life over these things in your life, you're gonna start to feel like things are coming back in order. Then the muscles and the tendons and the nerves formed over the bones. So as you continue to speak life, you're going to start to feel some strength come back into you. You might start to feel some movement in your life and feelings in your life where maybe they've been absent. Then the skin formed over the bodies. So as you continue to speak life, it'll cover it. It'll continue to cover that and hold everything in place. And you don't ever stop. You don't stop prophesying because remember, he even said they still have no breath in them. So God said, prophesy again that they have breath so that they can live. The praises and the promises of God should continually be on our lips. If we Christians believe what we say we believe, we should daily be speaking to the hopeless things in our lives and to the hopeless things in other people's lives. And to the hopeless things we see happening in America and the world, because our words have power. Yes. And no, I don't think it's gonna be easy. You know, James tells us we're gonna fail, we make mistakes. And I just failed the other night. We had our first living room night for the ladies, and we went around the room, and it got to me, and I introduced myself, and I told a little bit about Joel and diabetes. And I asked for prayer. And I said, I would love some prayer that the insulin pod company that that he wears, the pod, that they would come out with this new system because it would just help manage his diabetes so much better. And Sarah Skolaski was like, I'll pray, I'll pray. (laughs) And she said, you know, I would love to pray for Joel because the Lord's really put him on my heart lately to pray for his healing. Man, in that moment... In my head, I thought, okay, there's something wrong here. I'm praying and asking for a new pod, and she's praying for healing. That was so convicting for me in that moment. And I realized that for a while now, my words have been lining up with what I can only see in my natural, with my natural eyes. And remember, our words determine our direction, and our direction determines what? Our destination. So what's the destination I see for Joel? I had to ask myself that. What's the destination I see for him? So I decided, okay, it's time to change course. I'm going to move my rudder, and I'm going to bring it into alignment with where I want this ship to go. And in this particular situation, the destination is healing. Right? Not just a new insulin pod, but full healing of his pancreas. Where the cells in his pancreas, there's a rattling, there's a shaking going on, there's a waking up that's happening. And that's going to happen by the power of God, but also because of the power of my words. And listen, this is not name it and claim it, okay? This is not speak it into existence. This is definitely not me telling you that if you say all the right things all the time that you're going to have a perfect life because Jesus said you will have trouble in this world. This is saying that our words should be pointing us in the direction of the God we say we believe in because he's the ultimate destination. He is the healer. He is the redeemer. He is the restorer. That's why I have to start shifting my rudder to line up with who God is. He is the direction I want to go. Because listen, Joel's healing is coming. That's just the truth. Whether on this side of heaven or the next, his healing is coming. But here's what I know. God tells me to speak and prophesy over the dead things in my life. He tells me to pray for healing. I'm at least going to give God a chance to do it on this side of heaven. What direction are your words taking you? Do you have a valley of dry bones that you've been looking at, and you don't know what to do anymore? You don't know what to say anymore? I believe God wants to change it. I believe God wants to move in it. And so as we close, this is what I want to ask of you. If you have an impossible situation in your life, I want you guys to come up. I don't care how many are up here. Come up during this last song. Listen to the words of this song. Fix your eyes on Jesus and who he is. Shift yourself to focus on him. He's the direction we all need to be going. So whatever it is, I would just ask that you come up, lay it before him, and ask him, Jesus, show me how I start speaking to the dead things in my life.